0: Okay, y'all, get your Bibles. That's what we really came for. If you get your Bibles and go to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter number 12, uh, we are starting a new series called Ready, Set. And, uh, you know, when you hear those two words, ready and set, uh, what is the, 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 the next word that usually comes after that? No. You can say it louder. You can say it even louder than that. You can say it even louder than that. You can say it even louder than that. Go! Ready, set, go. Yes, baby. That's what I'm talking about. Yes, we will go. And you can do that through the whole message. You can, that'll be fine. Ready, set, go. It's like a natural sequential order. Uh, but I believe that there are some things that come before the go. There's some things that we need to learn before uh, the go takes place. And so over the next four weeks, uh, it's going to be ready, set, but there's going to be some things uh, that come before go uh, that I feel like we need to have uh, as context to what God is doing in our life in this season. And so if you turn to 2 Corinthians chapter number 12, uh, we'll start from the first verse, and... uh, I'll read through the 10th verse, and then I'll I'll tell you what this one is uh, for you to take notes on, okay? Here's what uh, Paul says, and we're catching him in the middle of a conversation that he's been having starting in verse number 10. Here's what it says. Uh, This boasting will do no good, and I will go back and give you some context to this. This boasting will do no good, but I must go on. I will reluctantly tell you about visions and revelations from the Lord. I was caught up to the third heaven 14 years ago. Whether I was in my body or out of my body, I don't know. Only God knows. Yes, only God knows whether I was in my body or outside my body, but I do know that I was caught up to paradise and heard things so astounding that they cannot be expressed in words, things no human is allowed to tell. That experience is worth boasting about, but I will not. But I am not going to do it. I will only boast about my weaknesses. If I wanted to boast, I would be no fool in doing so because I would be telling the truth, but I... Won't do it because I don't want anyone to give me credit beyond what they can see in my life or hear in my message. Even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God, uh, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three different times, I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time, He said, My grace is all you need, my power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. It's good stuff. So uh, this message uh, is entitled Ready, Set, No." Ready, set, no. Mm-hmm. Bow your heads. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, help us to process. No. Amen. Um. The Apostle Paul is uh, one of the key individuals in the New Testament. It helps us to shape our theology, helps us to understand uh, context to things like justification, propitiation, sanctification, really all the Asians, not Asians, (laughs) Asians. What's interesting about Paul is that he is a guy that has been used by God. in a very unseemly manner. What I mean by that is, you would think that if God wanted to use somebody that would write over a third of the New Testament, you would be looking for somebody that was devoted, maybe a disciple, someone that's been with you, not a person that was killing Christians. It just seems like you wouldn't go for that guy. That if you were going to hire somebody It wouldn't be somebody that was so vehemently opposed to who you are that he was looking, seeking to not only arrest those people, but have them killed. I don't know if you understand this or not, but Paul was, in his day, a terrorist, a zealot after his God against the Lord Jesus Christ. And God took a terrorist, transformed his heart drop the religious scales from his eyes and begin to use him in the most pro- profound ways that we have in the New Testament. Paul started churches. Paul did uh, uh, discipleship. Uh, the pastoral letters that we have are written by Paul. He, he did a bunch of stuff that was absolutely amazing. There's a little bit of more context I want to give you because what we're reading in chapter number 12 of uh, 2 Corinthians is Paul defending his apostolic authority. If you read chapters uh, uh, 1 through 9 of 2 Corinthians, it's very light, it's very, I love you, you're a great church and you're great people and, and I just want to encourage you in the things of God and, and let's just give to the church in Jerusalem and let's, and let's submit ourselves to, to, to having open hearts to give and I don't want you to give in compulsion and all of a sudden it gets to chapter number 10 and it turns quick. It is a sharp turn. It goes from, this is great, and you guys are awesome, and I'm, you're like family, and like my kids, and, 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 I, and if I needed a letter of recommendation, I would get it from you, and, and this is fantastic. And then it gets to chapter 10, and he's like, y'all don't know who you're messing with. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't know, I don't know who, you, who you think you are, who you've been listening to. It just changes. The whole tone changes. And here's what was happening. There were some other people that had come into Corinth claiming to be people that proclaimed the gospel message, but what they were doing was spreading confusion in the Corinthian church and telling everyone that Paul's not a real apostle. You should stop listening to him, and Paul got a little bit upset. I'm going to read you something in 2 Corinthians chapter number 11, uh, and I just want you to pick up the tone. I'm going to try to read it in his tone, okay? Uh, uh, He starts saying, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they descendants of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I know I sound like a madman, but I have served him far more. I have worked harder, been put in prison more often, (laughs) been whipped times without number, and faced death again and again, five different times. The Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, not high. It's not that contemporary of a version, (laughs) literally stoned, okay? Once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked. Don't ever get on a boat with Paul. (laughs) Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. And I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty and have often gone to bed without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Besides all of this, I have the daily burden of my concern for all the churches. Here's his tone. After all I've been through, the last thing I thought I would have to do is to prove to you that I love you. He's a little bit upset. And I can completely understand why. He then kind of turns his attention again, speaking almost like a, like, Uh, a a madman or or, or someone that would be full of arrogance he wasn't trying to do it he was just trying to prove a point he was saying I've seen revelations I can't even share with you like all the stuff I wrote down to let you know about sanctification justification propitiation the second coming of the Lord Jesus breaking down communion all that stuff that's just the stuff I could share but I was taken to the third heaven I don't know if I was in my body or out of my body but I was gone And I was taken up into the third heaven, and and I've seen stuff I cannot share with any other human being. I've had experiences with God that I can't share with anybody else. And instead of having a great reward for that and boasting about it, here's the reason why I don't boast. God God sent a thorn, a a messenger from Satan, to torment me. And, And I went to him three different times and ask him to take it away. I want you to think about that. If there was anybody who deserved to have a prayer answered, it would have been Paul. Get stoned, left for dead, shipwrecked three times, beaten across your back 39 times, times five. think he would get a prayer answer theologians don't know if this was an individual or bodily sickness I've heard throughout the years many people try to pontificate what Paul's thorn could have been I'm glad it was not listed that way it gets to be everybody's insert your thorn here Instead of it being listed and you going, oh, I don't have that struggle, press God. (laughs) The fact that it was just a thorn lets you know every single one of us have the potential to have one of those. Whether in the body or outside the body, there can be something that is in your life that causes you such deep consternation that it drives you to your knees for an answer. God, will you please take this? Away. Here is God's response. My grace is sufficient. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. Mm, Thank you, Jesus. Mm, Good word, Lord. I love thank you, Lord. I was in my quiet time and the Lord said something. I prayed and, and, and and he said, His grace is sufficient and his strength is made perfect in weakness. So go ahead and take all your grace. Come get this thorn. <laughs> Since you're doing all that great stuff, get this. A few days go by, a few weeks go by, a couple of months perhaps go by, it's still there. He comes again. Um, God? Thorn's still there. So maybe, I, I'm not sure, maybe I misunderstood you. When you was talking about your grace and stuff. Or maybe my prayer was off. Like, maybe I wasn't specific. So, like, I have this thorn, right? And it's in there deep. Could you please go in and get that and take it all the way out? In Jesus' name, amen. Maybe I didn't say that the first time. Maybe it was more of a complaint. So, in Jesus' name, if we pray in Jesus' name, everything should happen. So, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay. My grace is sufficient. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Mm, thank you, Lord. Great word. Mm, I love it. Thank you, Jesus. That makes perfect sense. A um, couple days go by. A few weeks go by. Perhaps a few months go by. It's still there. Third time. God. For real. Like, for real, for real. Scripture says pleaded. This was more than just, Lord, would you please, you know. Anybody beside me ever been to that? You had that, you know, that prayer came out with a little bit of a different tone. It was like, um, Jesus. It wasn't like a war room experience. It was just a shouting room experience. Do you see this? This hurts. come get this. It's ridiculous my grace is sufficient my strength is made perfect in your weakness what do you do when the answer is no because I mean think about this this is like the greatest answer ever but let me tell you what it strongly implies no. It sounds great, doesn't it? My grace is sufficient. My strength is made perfect in weakness. We quote that all the time. All you're doing is quoting the answer that means no. That's right. wow. That's right. All right. Here's one of his premier apostles to establish the foundation of the church for the next 2,016 years. The guy has a legitimate prayer. it already seems like he's been through enough. And the answer... Is no. I'm not going to do it. That starts messing with people's minds. Is my prayer life off? Do I have sin in my life? I must have done something wrong because I'm asking the Lord and he's not answering. So it must be me. The enemy starts coming in with all these thoughts. You forgot what you did five years ago. Starts peppering you. you. you Remember when you stole that sandwich when you were seven? God still hasn't forgiven you. I, I, I promise you, the enemy starts jumping on your head. But perhaps there's a different thing that's happening when we're faced with a no from God. And there's three points that I want you to write down that I hope will help you. Point number one, write this down. And and, and if you want to put something above these three points, it's three things that happen when we get a no. Maybe I should have put it's three things that should happen when we get a no. There's a lot of ways that you can respond. I think these are three ways that will give you more perspective. Point number one, write this down. Something dies in us. Something dies in us. When we get a no, something dies in us. It could be our ego, it could be our pride. Depending on what it is, it could be our hope, it could be our faith. Something dies in us. My sons, uh, Nathan and Noah, uh, have do, two different responses to the word no. Uh, Nathan uh, uh, cannot take a no. And At eight years old, being the older brother, what he's started to do is to employ his younger brother to be the messenger <laughs> so that he doesn't get direct no's anymore. He gets indirect no's. So uh, 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 what kids don't know around that age is that our ears as parents work very, very well And and, and we can hear them even when they don't think we can hear them. And so uh, I can actually hear Nathan telling his brother, who thinks he's whispering, go ask dad if we can play video games. And Noah, who's absolutely impervious to the word no, just walks right up to me. (laughs) Daddy, can we play video games? No. (laughs) He just walks away. Let me tell you why Nathan stopped asking me himself because when I say no to him, his entire body shuts down. It's almost like I didn't say no about video games. It's like I said no about him. Like, like no, you person who plays video games. And that's how sometimes we process with God. Sometimes when we get a no, We feel like God is judging us instead of the thing that we're requesting. And the enemy comes in and says, see, he doesn't love you. I bet you'll stop singing good, good father now. He's not perfect in all of his ways, because if not, he would have just, how come he didn't answer your prayer? The enemy starts to come in. but Something starts dying in us when we receive a no point number 2 write this down someone lives in us when that something dies in us someone has the opportunity to live in us and his name is the holy spirit the holy spirit is always looking for places in our heart that are alive that don't align up with god and he waits for them to die because when they die he has more room to live those places where we uh, finally submit to God's will and his way, we die to what we want and we begin to say, Lord, it's not what I want, but what you want. We start to see the Holy Spirit start live in those areas of our lives. That's the person that we want to be there. But if we're not careful, we can open up our hearts to the influence of the enemy when we receive rejection as well. And the enemy can start telling you stuff like, you need to take this into your own hands. You don't need God's help. You have enough resources. Call your friends. Call your family. Do what used to work for you. It's been too long. If he's not going to do it, handle. You got to take care of yourself. If we open ourselves to that influence, we lead ourselves into harm's way. The someone that we want to live in us is the Holy Spirit. That's our opportunity when something dies for us to back up and say, Holy Spirit, I have no idea what you want to do here. And so instead of me making another move, instead of me trying to anticipate what's next, I am trusting you to be the one to lead me and direct me because this no is hindering my faith a little bit. It's blocking me in some areas of my life, anybody beside me ever processed a no and had to deal with it? And you're like, what is going on? How come you just won't say yes? Well, a lot of times, we think prayer is the magic wand to get God to do our bidding. And we think if we do it long enough and say the right words along the way, we've somehow performed an incantation of spiritual jargon that should produce a yes. And when it doesn't happen, we start getting confused. We just had a really funny situation happen to us when we were in England. There was a lady uh, who uh, went around, she was praying for people and and, and she likes to operate in the prophetic and healing and stuff like that and I believe she has a gift of God on her life but I also believe uh, that she was extending herself beyond God's grace and trying to manufacture some things. So she walked up to an individual who had slept poorly the night before on her pillow because we were at a campground, and uh, she had a little crook in her neck. She just, you know, had a pain in her neck. So this lady, you know, she's always looking for something, just whatever. I, I need to pray for mm, her. Who, who looks? Oh, you. Get over here, you know. So she went up to the lady, and she prayed for her. She was like, Lord, <laughs> thank you. Come on, heal that neck. In Jesus' name, amen. And she was like, come on, come on. Move your neck. Let's see. Do it. Let's see. And, and, and the lady was like, my neck still hurts. So she was like, I got to do it again. Lord, Jesus, in Jesus' name, pray this neck stop hurting. Mm. Come on, move your neck. Move your neck. She moved her neck. She was like, it still hurts. I won't say the exact words that this lady used. The second time she prayed and it didn't answer. But you can use your imagination. She said, darn it, (laughs) except she didn't say, darn. (laughs) After two prayers, (laughs) darn it, how come this is not working? Because you're working, he's not. When it's not working, stop. You're embarrassing yourself right. and us. Right. You're giving our faith a really bad outlook yeah. to unbelievers. Yeah, this woman was frustrated after praying twice. The woman slept wrong. Give it six hours. <laughs> Does everything, my toe hurts. Prayer. <laughs> you stubbed your toe. It's going to hurt. You're a, what? (laughs) Paul had a thorn that was given to him. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Paul had a thorn that was given to him by God. Some of us gave ourselves our thorn. Whether it was a habit we indulged in over and over again, now we're trying to give it up, and our body's like, no way. You did this for 25 years. We're not giving that up that easy. And you started saying, I have a thorn in my flesh. Yeah, you drove it in. You started when you were 11. Now you're 40. Lord, take it away. My grace is sufficient. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. And what an amazing way to say no. No, I don't need your strength. Use mine. No, I don't need your help. Use mine. No, I don't need your answer. Here's mine. Grace. I know that's not what you want to hear. I know you want to come in and have a different praise report. Can you imagine Paul going back to his small group after the third time that he prayed? And and they're sitting there eager to cross it off. Hey, listen, Paul, we have thorn right next to your name, and we've been praying every Tuesday at 6 p.m. that God would give you a breakthrough and, and put the thorn away. And and so come on, give us the testimony. Is the thorn still there? Yep. Man. Alright, we'll keep your name on the list. Nope. You can take my name off the list. I'm okay. How can Paul say he's okay? He still has a thorn. It brings me to point number three. Point number one was... Huh? Point number two was... Here's point number three. Some things change in us. If you allow the right things to die in you and the right person to live in you, then your outlook is going to change how you see your situation. Whether it's a yes Or in this case, to know, you know that you can trust in God and really rest in his help. Some things change in us. Here's here's what Paul says, uh, starting from verse 8 again. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses. Who says that? so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses. Who says that? And in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Can you imagine going to the prayer group the next week and going, hey, Paul, is the thorn still there? Woohoo! Yes. Yes! Got the thorn right here. Want to see it? Woo! It is still, look, it is huge too. I'm so happy with this thorn. Who says that? Somebody who's died to their own will, died to their own way, had the Holy Spirit live in them and give them a different outlook on their situation. And it changes the way that they see their entire world. Let's make no mistake who answers Paul. It's not an impression of the Holy Spirit that Paul received. Go back and read it in your Bibles. Those letters are in red. I just got in my quiet time a sense that God's grace was going to be enough. No. The answer came from Jesus Himself. Jesus responds to Paul and says, my grace is sufficient. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Can I give you what I believe Jesus' strong implication was behind that statement? peering over the balcony of heaven, seated right next to his father. Hey, Paul, stop asking. The answer is no. And before you think I'm being insensitive, buddy, remember, I know a thing or two about praying for something to pass. You're not the only person that's received a no. You're not the only one that God has looked at and said, no, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Sometimes the no's produce something that a yes never will. I end with this story. My cousin, Cookie. No! My cousin, Cookie. My cousin, Cookie. My mom's niece. And my cousin. Got cancer in her breast. Several years ago. While she was. Going through that process, the doctor told her that she was going to have to have both of her breasts removed. They had the surgery. We began to pray. God, would you please heal our cousin? Would you please heal my niece? We believe you for a breakthrough. And guess what? God did. She had to have surgery. She had both of her breasts removed, but God Healed my cousin. She was cancer free. And we all rejoiced. And then we sang Good Good Father again. Actually, we didn't. The song wasn't out yet. But we began to sing a song that talked about and testified of his goodness. And before we could really sing the song good, the cancer came back. And my cousin Cookie, she had this very light voice, almost akin to a cartoon character. Anytime you would see her, All of her late words were elongated. Hi, it's so good to see you. Oh, it's so good to see you, Timmy. She was this infectious, bubbly spirit, would serve anybody. The cancer comes back. And the doctor started saying, listen, we're going to have to do another surgery on you. And here was my cousin Cookie's response. Are you going to get it all this time? They said, no. We're not going to be able to get it to spread too much, but at least it will make you a little bit more comfortable. Maybe it will lengthen your days. And here was her response. Well, then I'm just not going to do it again. <laughs> Which sent the family temporarily into a little bit of a shock. What? You have to have the surgery. And, and that's a little bit of selfishness on our part, right? We No, no, fight, live. We love you. We want to see you. She was in pain. She was like, mm, no, not at all. She made this profound statement one day that really set everybody back. And you could tell at that point, she had processed the three points that I was talking about in this message. The doctor said, OK, we want to schedule a surgery. And she says, like, yeah, no, I'm not going to have the surgery. And the family's like, how come you're not going to have it? she said, look, I'm in a win-win situation. I don't even see what the big deal is. Either the Lord's going to heal me. I'm not going to have cancer anymore. And we can give him the glory for that. Or I'm going to die and be with him in glory. That's the perspective of a person that's prayed for a different outcome, but allowed the Holy Spirit to live on the inside of them and change their perspective about their situation. She wasn't the only one that had to do that. Her husband did too. She died, and at her funeral, that I eulogized, we were having a celebration, because when people die in the Lord, we have a party for them. I, I mean, the, 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 those that die in Christ, we, we know we're gonna see them again, so we have a full out party. We still cry, we're gonna miss them, but we are like, you made it to heaven, you're back home, we'll see you soon. It's a home going, it's a celebration. They were singing a very spirited song, and in the middle of that song being uh, uh, sang, my cousin Sherwin stood up and walked to the open casket of his dead wife. And he had his head down for a moment, both hands on the edge of the casket. He just threw his hands up started worshiping the Lord and in that moment I knew that he had accepted his no. To be able to praise God over your dead, your dead wife's body means that you've processed something internally. That gives you the strength to lift both hands externally. I'm not sure what your no is. People spend so much time trying to figure out Paul's thorn, they forgot how to process his prayer. This is not about what you're going through. It's about how. If you want to deal with a no, let everything you think should happen die. Let the Holy Spirit live, and it will change your perspective. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you through this message? You may be in a season of your life where you feel like, I need an answer. I'm sick of going through this. I'm dealing with an ailment in my body. I'm dealing with a a bad report from the doctor. And I've done all the stuff I know to do. I've covered myself in olive oil and I've prayed and I've done all the stuff. What else do I need to do? I don't know if you have a short-term no or a long-term no. What I do know is you need to process it correctly. God is not being mean to you. He's bringing his grace to strengthen you. So in a moment, we're going to pray a prayer. And At that time, I'm going to ask you to say, and we're going to sing one last song. If you need prayer for any reason, our altar ministry team is here to pray with you. We would love nothing more than to do that. So take advantage of it if you need it, okay? Don't leave without getting the prayer that you need. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would draw every person that needs prayer in Jesus' name. Would you stand to your feet?